You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 41. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week. From app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers, we focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. I want to thank all the listeners that have been supporting the No Formula podcast. For the chance of getting in the episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. In today's episode, we chat with Laura Page Hamlin, the founder of Artebula. The Artebula app gives parents and kids a way to collect, organize, and store their artwork digitally in the cloud. The company supports the development of critical thinking and innovation in children through the STEAM education model, helping them develop crucial life skills. In this episode, Laura reveals how she got the idea for Artebula and what kickstarted the whole business. She tells us about her ventures before starting the app and what it's like to build an app with no marketing budget. Download the Artebula app in the Google Play Store. In the meantime, keep listening to hear how the quarantine helped her business and to learn how to pitch your business to investors. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. Not only do we have the same name, but we have a passion for entrepreneurship. But the difference is that you actually started seven businesses in your lifetime, which I think is amazing. And before we start talking about the one that you're currently working on, Artebula, I just want to know a little bit about those six other businesses. So what is the difference between starting Artebula, so the one you're currently working on, versus all the other businesses that you started? Well, I feel like, um, and I think any entrepreneur that's listening to this can, can agree, is that entrepreneurship is very much a passion thing, and it's a journey. And so I feel like we're all sort of looking for what is our true passion and how do we turn that into a business? And so I think that the other businesses that I started were stepping stones to where I am today. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. There's a variety of them. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I've always been passionate about marketing and creativity. So that's sort of standard across all entrepreneurship to start with that kind of foundation is I think really good. Um, So one of my businesses was a dog walking business, which was amazing. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think I was 25 years old and it was so lucrative and I was working like 20 hours a week. It was the perfect 25 year old. Like it was the perfect business for a 25 year old Mm -hmm. because I was financing going through university at the time and it was amazing. Um, but I didn't ever want to scale that business and I didn't know how to make it a full-time career. I was too young and inexperienced. So eventually I just cut that one off. Mm-hmm. That was one, one of the businesses. Um, and I loved that one because I love, love, love dogs. They're so awesome. <laughs> so fun. Oh yeah. And, uh, then I had a painting business where I refinished furniture. So also I'm a huge believer in bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of the person who went to garage sales and found furniture and painted them. And actually the one back there is is a find and that was painted it was like wood before some color mm-hmm. um so that was one of them and that one again I was that was in between pregnancies so that was something I was doing on the side and but everything that I did I loved like loved but this is the versatility of sort of what I've done over the years there's marketing there's painting there was a dog walking business um, none of them were my true passion 
projects, but they all involved creativity, which was cool because to get in front of people, you need to be creative. And mm-hmm. I started my dog walking business, the internet, like the website thing was new. Like people weren't able to build their own websites as easily as they are today. So there was a lot of innovation that came into that. And then, yeah, and now this baby that I'm on right now, this is my true passion. This is the combination of arts and crafts and STEAM activities and education and, mm-hmm. and like capturing and memorial, memorial, memorializing my children's artwork. Like it's beautiful. And this is, this is where I'm meant to be. There is no question in my mind that my journey has led me to my true passion. Do you think that while you were starting all these other businesses, that you knew that they weren't your true passions? 100%. Oh, okay. So you knew. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Sort of like, um, how do I make money? And mm-hmm. you know, I've got four kids um, and I've always enjoyed running my own businesses and I've always had to earn money and there was no doubt about it. I always went for like the quickest way to get there. And so it was things that I was good at and things that I knew I could market. Um, and that was always brought me to some sort of financial contribution to our household. Oh, nice. Yeah. Of all the businesses that you started, what do you think is the one lesson that you took away from starting so many businesses? Um, well, I mean, know your passion for sure, because mm-hmm. I think that to continue down a path where you're not 100% convinced that's where you're going, that's when it becomes a struggle and that's where it's no longer fun. And so, you know, that's the biggest thing I would take out of it is that if something feels like it's a roadblock and not a roadblock as in it's too hard work, <laughs> yeah. a roadblock as in you hate doing it, <laughs> Yeah, I'd say that was my biggest lesson was listen to yourself, listen to your intuition and go with that because it's really the biggest guide in, in my life. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs would agree with that. Mm, yeah, because I feel a lot of people that I talk to who want to start businesses don't necessarily know their passions. So what, what, what advice would you give them other than kind of feeling whether or not something is right? Is there something that they can do to figure out which direction to go in now that you can look back on your experience? It's interesting. So I've always been a, a jump in with two feet kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that was part of the reason that, I didn't really continue doing what I was doing because I wasn't fully aware of where I was going to end up. And so for Artebula, I really took the time to do my research and my due diligence prior to that, prior to jumping in with two feet. Like I sat on this idea for nearly four years before I acted on it. And in that time, like it was brewing and spinning and I'm like, Oh, I still need a solution for this. And it was just there. And then it kept on growing. And finally, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, to apply for grant money for a new business, I was like, oh, this is it. So I did my due diligence. And that is really the big difference between, I'd say the other businesses and this one is that I identified the opportunities. I found, you know, I learned about the target audience and I did all the business planning and I just went through every right step. Like you learn in business school, like you mm-hmm. learn in marketing 101. It's like, know your audience, know your business, know the opportunities. And I don't know if that's an age thing, a maturity thing, or if that's maybe I was just super immature about everything else, or maybe it's because I was, you know, I made money in everything else that I did that I wasn't aware Mm -hmm. that there is actually a formula for doing it right. 
And mm. it's not to say that it's the same for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not the of course. Same for everybody, like some people have just, it's just, it's just been a win right out of the gates. But for me, this was the right way to do it. Okay. So Laura, I want to shift gears a little bit. <laughs> I want to know how Artebula came to be. Okay. That's a fun one. <laughs> um, okay. So I have small children and we have a very creative household and thus lots and lots of artwork everywhere. And I got busted when my daughter was four with her artwork in the recycle bin. And um, that was a game changer for me. I'm like, I believe in creativity. Why am I squashing my child's creativity? Like what kind of mom am I? And so much guilt, like so much guilt overwhelmed me. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way. So I took out my phone, I snapped a picture and I'm like, look, we'll keep it forever. But like, she was astounded by that. She was thrilled. She's like, oh my God, mom, I'm going to make more and we'll keep them in your phone. And I was like, okay, cool. But they get lost, like just Mm -hmm. lost and buried under. How many pictures a day do people take now? Like, it's insane. So for me to go through and find all that stuff was horrendous. And so I was like, there's got to be a better way. And that was sort of the initial flicker. And like I said earlier, it took me about almost four years to get this thing off the ground because I hemmed and hawed and finally was like, we need to do something about this. There's just too much artwork. So um, that was, that's the story behind how it started, but we've evolved so much from that day. Like I'm, I'm just a marketing person with an idea. I needed mm-hmm. a team of people. Like I needed a tech person to make this come to fruition, um, which is, which was, I was so lucky to acquire Graham, who's from Scotland and he's a co-founder of Artebula. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so between the two of us, we've, we've started this awesome. We have an MVP, which is, you know, our, our basic product right now in the app store, which allows people to capture their children's artwork and keep it in digital portfolios in like one secure place and in full resolution, which is the best. So the kids can have their own digital portfolios. So for example, right now in our household, we have quarantine album (laughs) in our our portfolios. So each kid has their own portfolio and in there you can put albums. Mm -hmm. And so each one's got a quarantine album. And so they get to see all their activities they've done over the last three months whether it be science experiments or inventions, or they've made some engineering projects, some connects, like they're keeping all of their creations in these portfolios. And honestly, three, four years down the road, we're gonna get to reflect on that. And who knows, like maybe this is stimulating because it encourages creativity, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how it all started. But we're, like I said, we're just, we're going somewhere completely up and away with this. And I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, when did you officially launch Artebula? One week before lockdown. So we spent a year developing our technology. Um, Mm -hmm. We really wanted to launch with a really, really good foundation, knowing that we wanted to expand into bigger and better things. So the unfortunate part of taking our time to build it was we couldn't have seen this unforeseen circumstance. And so we launched, we had this amazing launch strategy set up, but as soon as quarantine was announced, all the press, everything, like all of my alumni relationships, everything just flattened out. They're like, we're not taking anything that isn't COVID related. Mm -hmm. So our launch was, you know, something less of extraordinary, (laughs) which is not what we pictured. Mm -hmm. But what was super cool was it allowed us to shift gears. So... I mean, I think this is really important for entrepreneurs, and I don't think this is the first time you've probably heard this during our current circumstances. We've all had to pivot. 
Mm -hmm. And pivoting has for us been illuminating, like illuminating the places we're going now because of COVID is far more sophisticated than where I thought we were going. So although it was untimely launch, we're still gaining users every day and people are still interested in what we're doing and we're still getting traction. So it, it wasn't all bad. It just wasn't as great as I had envisioned it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can talk about this, how did you guys pivot exactly? So, I mean, I guess in the beginning, we thought that we were going to be an art storage company that also produced books and posters. Um, and so we, we still have that concept and it's still very important to our overall strategy, but we've really focused on um, the user experience as well as how we can contribute to creativity in other ways. So we are a very steam focused business now. So we have, um, we're starting, a, we have a resource center developed. So if you go to artebula.com, there's a full resource center there that has arts and crafts and science experiments. And then we'll be moving into more technology for kids um, and recommendations for parents on, on how to use, you know, technology to enhance their education. Um, so that was not something that was done in our original plan. Like mm -hmm. our original plan was like, we're going to help people save the artwork. And now it's, we're going to help people stay creative and keep their kids interested in art and teach them skills that they wouldn't have thought of through art. Like, it's really cool. Like we're teaching science through art and we're teaching math skills through art. And there's so many things that we hadn't thought of, but now we had the time to do it because our audience wasn't hearing the other message. So now mm -hmm. they're saying, we hear you. And what else do you have? which is super cool. I love it. I love that there's the community aspect to it. Huge. Yes. I love and that. that is, we want to be a community-based business. We want people to come to us and say, we want to be a part of what you're doing. And oh my gosh, you have apps to support this. Like that's what we want. I love it. I love, since you, since you told me about our tabula, I always really like the idea. And that's why, so my next question is a very loaded question. Okay. That it took you four years from idea to execution. Can you walk us through that process and how it escalated to, you know, an idea to a viable product to an actual app? Maybe I know that you had grants and there were other things involved. Can you walk us through that process? Yeah. So, I mean, keeping in mind that it wasn't four years of work leading up to this. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like the seed had planted. And yeah. then, oh my gosh, I need to water the seed. <laughs> and then as I'm watering the seed over a few years and, I, and I'm watching that plant grow, which is the piles of artwork and the storage vans and all this stuff, mm -hmm. I was like, I've really got to do something about this. So when did that um, happen? When did pardon? you like, when did that happen? When it was actually when I was speaking with my brother and I was telling him at that time I was, I was, um, I was enjoying the way marketing was changing. Like marketing was really becoming very video centered and, mm. and brands were being very creative with their marketing. I'm like, Oh, this is a really good way to get in front of parents' eyes. And so as I started to see other businesses and how they were being comical in their marketing and like just bringing a lot of light and fun again into, into like entertaining us essentially, but with a product attached, I was like, this is super cool. So I was chatting with my brother about it who is like an investor and I was telling him the idea and he's like, Laura, he goes, you write me an awesome business plan. I will invest in this company. And I was like, thank you brother, but I will never deal with family. <laughs> but looking up to him, I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, if my brother thinks that this is a good idea, then this has to be a good idea. Yeah. So that was about two years ago. Okay. 
And then, so I, again, was, I also had a, a digital marketing company bef- like prior to this. So mm-hmm. that's where I spent a lot of my time amongst taking care of kids and all that. So it wasn't my primary focus, but um, we moved up to Collingwood, Ontario, and uh, it's a super, it's, it's a really cool place here. There's lots of opportunities that I wouldn't have had in the city because it's considered rural. Um, and so the Small Business Enterprise Center here in Collingwood had put out application for grants to help your business expand or to start a new business that you presented them with a business plan. And I was like, oh, like, let's put some marketing study to work here and see if I can build a business plan. So <laughs> I built a business plan thinking that I was going to extend my my marketing company into an app company as well. So with the idea of this being the first of many apps. Mm-hmm. So I was saying, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this an app designed by Social Jibber Jabber. Um, and so I went in and I and I pitched them on it and I got the grant, which was awesome. So it was five grand. And then I was like, okay, well, now I have to prove how I'm spending this money towards my business plan. So they kind of forced me down the path. They set me up mm-hmm. with a mentor and they said, okay, we need to see how you spend your money. And so I started going through all of those motions and um, ended up with an app company here in Collingwood who built the, uh, who helped me build the wireframe for it. And with that, I was able to gain interest from investors So I had like this idea that was actually in motion. It was no longer just a seed. It was actually becoming a plant. So um, it was through, and then then the Small Business Enterprise Center hooked me up with, I guess, an incubator. And it's like the universities and the colleges offer programs for small businesses. So called the Henry Burnick Entrepreneurship Center. And they said, hey, why don't you become a part of this pitch competition? and uh pitch your app idea so i did and i won that and then i was like oh my god like i'm winning all this stuff um and uh and then investors became excited about it and i ended up getting investment money from a networking opportunity like a networking like i'm really i love networking and keeping in touch with everybody and so those six other businesses that i've ran over the years to me there might have been seven um one of those people that I worked with in the past is an investor and an advisor on this company. So never burn your bridges. No, yeah, for real. <laughs> and keep in touch with people. That's a so, great lesson from that story. That's the journey. It was well, a big one. What was the hardest part about that whole journey? <sighs> Getting over myself. <laughs> um, no, that sounds absolutely crazy. But so, I mean, I was always a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means I didn't have to deal with anybody ever. Like it was me and my clients and my clients trusted that, that I was the expert in what I did. And I trusted that I was the expert and was giving good advice. And, you know, I, I had to speak with mentors who had different opinions and, and different advice. And I was like, no, you're wrong. You haven't done the research. I've done the research. And they're like, no, actually we're right. Like look into it more. And so there was always that happening which was great because it forced me to do more due diligence mm-hmm. things that I probably would have tried to get away with in the past. I just didn't get away with. Yeah. And then like, you also, you also mentioned your co-founder. So at what point did, did he come into the picture? Um, so he kind of came in. So I think, my goodness, we incorporated in March of 2018 um, so he came in maybe about like four weeks before that. 
So in February of 2018, he came into play and it was around, it was, it was around that time that maybe shortly thereafter where the advisor came in as well and said, Hey, this is a really good idea. And I think that she offered up money to help finance it after I won the pitch competition, mm -hmm. but we'd already had the foundation of the team. At that point though, the team was, was, I think, I, I can't remember if my timeline is correct or not, but regardless, it was a very interesting idea um, that people were interested in. And in fact, leaving that pitch competition, there were a couple other people that were like, hey, we're interested in this, but we didn't want to take any more, we didn't want to lose any more equity in the business at that point, so. Yeah, I was just gonna say, because your words, not mine, you said you had to get over yourself. Yes. <laughs> but because you were a solopreneur for so long, how was it getting people to join the team? That must have been very difficult to start spreading decisions amongst many people. Yeah, I don't think I realized how much that was going to, I don't think I realized how much of an impact that would have on me, but it was a really positive impact, to be yeah. honest. That's good. Um, I think that in life you need to, especially like, we can't be stubborn. We have to always be open to learning. And this, this is the ultimate learning opportunity because I actually didn't know myself as well as I thought I knew myself. Like my, my parents had always told me, Laura, you're so stubborn. Laura, you, you need to be open to other people's ideas. Laura, like you need to just listen to what we are saying. And I'm like, no, like I know everything. You don't have to tell me anything. I, I, you know, and that was sort of a consistent, it was part of my confidence, I guess, but how wrong was I? Because having a, a team of people now to work with that are helping me like now collectively come to an amazing company. Like all of us now have, have founded this amazing foundation to build hopefully a sky rise. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have done that without them. So when people present you with conflict, I think it's important to not be defensive. And that's what I learned was I've always been defensive. And so now it was, it was a really good opportunity for me to do some self-reflection and say, be open, <laughs> be open to suggestion, <laughs> investigate it, and then make a decision. Don't just shut a door. And so the co-founders and specifically Graham has been really good at, at helping me come to that conclusion is <laughs> that I need to be more open. <laughs> well, a very humbling experience for sure. Yeah, but yeah, totally humbling. Um, yeah, exactly. And I'm also very, I'm still very interested in the co-founder experience because sometimes you hear horror stories of, oh, I started this business with my friend or someone I knew and it was a disaster. On the flip side, I've heard so many great stories about how co-founders worked together and built an empire. So can you tell us more about the dynamic you have with your co-founder and maybe how you complement each other? Yeah, sure. So um, the woman who, who invested in the company is our advisor. She is a, oh my gosh, a lifelong friend, not lifelong, but at least the past 15 years now she's been in my life. And so there was a lot, a huge level of trust between her and I. And so when she suggested Graham would be an amazing co-founder for the app, I was like, okay, let's chat. And so right, going right, right away into it, the fact that A, he wasn't a friend or somebody that I knew, mm -hmm. but somebody who came highly recommended by somebody who I valued, I think were really good starting points for us. Um, I don't think, remember back, I said I'd never take money from my brother or my family mm -hmm. that I still stand true to that to this day is that I wouldn't because that just brings up so much conflict and I didn't want conflict. So Graham was an awesome opportunity for me to experience something 
with somebody who had already experienced it. So he wasn't new to this. He'd already helped found two other companies that sold for multi-millions of dollars. So he had a lot of experience to bring to the table and he's the tech guy. So he understands how to run the tech side of the business. Like I can talk the talk slightly <laughs> and I can follow along a conversation, mm -hmm. but there is no way that I could manage that side of the business, yeah. like zero. <laughs> so I think the fact that, and he's also a creative, which is awesome mm. because I can bounce ideas off him and he doesn't go blank. Like he's not like, I don't know. He's like, he has great yeah. ideas to support it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I believe and I trust in him because of the relationship I had with the other woman as well. So there's just a high level of trust. And yeah. we've also been very open. And so what's cool is that the other two founders, so Catherine and, and Graham, um, they come from the UK. And that is a whole different personality type that I have I did not know anything about, like at all. But they're very clear telling me that this is how we communicate and this is who we are. Um, and they're very blunt. And that was very hard to see. It's, it's okay. I mean, like I've, I've, like I said, I've learned so mm -hmm. much and I've become humble because of all of this and they're just so, but at the same time, it's so much trust. So having the two, it's just very balanced if I can say so myself. Um, we've got, you know, the flighty, not flighty, but the Canadian who's very whimsical and rainbows and butterflies and everything's positive and happy. And, and then we've got them saying, no, Laura, this is how it has to be. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, great. We'll look at it from that side too. <laughs> uh, sure. We'll, we'll consider it. <laughs> no, we'll look into it further and then we'll make a decision based on that. <laughs> but See, we, we, right? Like, yeah, like we, it's, yeah. it's different than I. And mm -hmm. I think that I can't speak to anybody else's experiences, but so far mine has been great. And I can't, I can't say, I, I can just say that I'm learning every single day. Which is great, which means you're yeah. doing it right. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have two other areas of your business that I want to talk about. And first, sure. I know you're the CMO of the company as well. So can you talk to us more about maybe the marketing behind a startup? And you've had a lot of other experience with your other businesses, but just like the strategy behind, okay, this is new. Absolutely. Nobody knows about it. How do I get it in front of people? Sure. So, um, Again, a bit of a unique situation because we were going to go into this going in one path mm -hmm. and now we've completely, we haven't really completely, we're still within the realm of, of the same target audience, but we've just changed and, and manipulated a bit. So what the original strategy was versus what it is now has changed and it's obvious. When you look through our social media, it's, there's like a clear change in mm -hmm. strategy, <laughs> unless if for a trained eye anyways, I don't know if somebody else would notice it, but maybe mm -hmm. a marketer would. Um, so there was a bit of, of during that time spaghetti on the wall, which is, let's see if it sticks mm -hmm. and let's see what's working. Uh, you mentioned something earlier about community. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in a new startup phase, especially with an app, you need to involve feedback from people to find out if you're on the right path. And for us with what we're doing and our, our app and the technology that we're using and the usefulness of it, we want to know from those parents that are using it, Hey, how can we make this better for you? And so we've put a lot of focus on, on, on driving value-based marketing right now, mm -hmm. especially in the circumstances that we're all in. Like we're all looking for things to do to keep our family occupied. And we're providing those resources to families right now. And then also saying, hey, how else can we help you? Mm 
And so a lot of listening happening in our strategy right now to try and figure out what direction that our community wants us to go in. Um, but keeping the same messages is that we're always trying to help you simplify your life and we're trying to help you memor memorialize your children's creations and mm -hmm. like always keeping those things kinds of consistent and always looking at the same target audience and saying, hey, these are the people that, that are interested in what we're doing. Um, that being said, strategies can change and they have to change continuously because the market changes. So, you know, social media, for example, I am not a millennial. I'm close, but I'm not. I'm on the cusp. <laughs> um, I am not on TikTok, but TikTok is like the fastest growing, growing platform right now. And they don't have any algorithms in place yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, we need to be on TikTok, but but I need to know from my community and I need to do the research to find out what is going to work on TikTok for me, mm -hmm. for our tabula, right? Because it's not going to be the same thing that works on Facebook and it's mm -hmm. not going to be the same thing that works on Instagram. So the millennials, the young people who are using TikTok, we need to appeal to them. So that is like a completely different strategy than what we're doing now. And they're the ones who are coming up and having babies now. So how do we shift our focus to get in front of them? Um, and then I think value-based marketing in the beginning to build trust. Like mm -hmm. we need to establish trust. We're a new brand who are, we're nobody compared to the big guys. Right? So there's a huge amount of, of trust building going on in the startup and then a lot of listening and then a lot of figuring out how to get to the next level with the new upcoming target audience. So just trying to be proactive and that, I mean, is so important for every startup. Yeah. Are, are you on TikTok? Um, I creep TikTok. <laughs> I am, I, I am so nervous. I love being in front of the camera. There is no doubt about it. Like mm -hmm. I, I would start a personal TikTok, but mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with my brand just yet. So if anybody wants to reach out and give me suggestions, mm -hmm. by all means. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a good start. You have an account. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, the community, them suggesting things to you, value-based marketing. And you, and you also said that you're getting users every single day. Yeah. How did you get the first, let's say 20 users? Uh, I want to say that's friends and family. Oh, okay. So you started by, yeah. and then it was just like word of mouth and it spread. Yeah. Well, right? it wasn't really, no, I would not say it's word of mouth. Um, so then I how did it seen... go? We've been using it. We used one influencer, which was amazing. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. Yeah. And then honestly, like a lot of, of just hard work. Like I've been on Instagram communicating like mm -hmm. nonstop, like not just posting a picture and hoping it works. It's like, I'm sending, excuse me, I'm sending messages. Um, I'm interacting with people. I'm searching for my target audience, like everywhere. And I am mm -hmm. just actively going after people all the time, not pushing messaging and not pushing, not being a pushy salesperson, but just being genuine. Like I want our brand to be genuine and say, Hey, this is who we are. But that has been a grind. Like it's a lot of work. And just so you know, we're a startup. We have no marketing budget, like yeah. none. So this is a lot of work and I'm putting 40 hours a week in and content creation alone. And then I've got to push that out through the channels. And I'm one person right now. I have, I have, um, I'm so lucky. I have a, like a marketer to support me, like a support and sales lead. Um, and she's working part-time and helping out right now, which is awesome, but not in the social media world and not in the crafting and little makers world, which is my mm -hmm. kids. Um, 
so like there's you know there's even more to do like there's just so much to do so what is she working on uh she's helping like find grant opportunities and she's doing proofreading and she's helping set up like media or press or press contact lists and finding new influencers for us to target down the road like there's so much other stuff outside of that 40 to 60 hours that I'm putting in that she's doing that, you know, a whole team could be doing right now. If we had mm-hmm. people. That's, that's what it is with marketing though. You can always be doing something. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. crazy. I'd love to have a huge advertising spend. That's what I would <laughs> love. And I think that would help really like just get our user base up massively because we can only get such reach from organic. Like mm-hmm. it's, and it's a slower process, right? I think TikTok though can help you though a lot. You can get yeah, into I think it will a too. lot of eyes. Yeah. I'm just, I just, like I said, I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump in with two feet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do some due diligence yeah. and figure it out. And then I just don't want to take too long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause due diligence, procrastination, it kind of, there's a fine line, but yeah. I, I'm super structured when it comes to that. There is zero procrastination. I can see that life. though. Zero. That I can see where you're, as soon as you get your answer, then you will jump <laughs> all in. Yeah. All in. Yeah. That's awesome. So the other, other area I want to talk to you about was the pitching and how you pitched your business and you kept winning things, <laughs> which is great. But for people who might want to pitch to investors, do you have any tips or, or I don't know, guidelines for them to follow? Um, well, so the experiences were very different. Uh, with my team, I've learned so much because we've brought in so many other sources. So I'm going to lean on that one and say that that investors want to know about their return on investment. So less fluff, more where you're going. So like they don't want to hear about, oh, you know, this is, I don't know. They just don't want to hear the fluff. <laughs> <laughs> they want to know brief story. They want to know, you know, like who's interested in it. How much have you raised? How much have you put into it? Are you working for sweat equity? Like these are the things that, that the preliminaries that they want to know, they want to know that you've done your due diligence. I know that word comes up a lot, but it's true. Um, they want market research. For hmm. example, the steam industry that we're in is a $700 billion worldwide market. That number right there is very attractive to investors that's crazy steam that's education right yeah 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 it's a huge market and so everybody can have a piece of that pie but how what's your piece look like and 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 how are you going to get it and you know who's who are your competitors and unique selling point nail it like just nail it blow it out of the water and that and your value proposition so your unique selling point and your value proposition are two huge huge components of something they're going to be interested in like what makes you different and how are your users or how's how's your audience going to respond like mm-hmm. what makes you special and what's going to attract them to you so those to me are, are the biggest ones because you can project numbers till you're blue in the face but they actually just want to see the results mm-hmm. and they want proof that you can support that and so, you know, your, your team is important. Who's your yeah. team? What have they done? How can they contribute to your success? So how long is one of your presentations? 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Uh, we've five. done, yeah, five, two five-minute presentations, that one. And then I did another one that was uh, 15 minutes. And we did it in 13 and blew them out of the water. 
And uh, yeah, and there are pitch there are pitch competitions all over, all over that you can apply for. I, I haven't found all of them yet, but I've been speaking with companies who have, um, and they're amazing. Like, but you have two minutes or even a minute in some of them to send a video message saying you have to get them to, into you in one minute. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you accomplish that? That's your yeah. USP. It's like a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an awesome one to send, right? This is what we're about. Because right? <laughs> I feel like your TikToks can not only be about Artebula, but also like the business behind it. It's so interesting. And you've yeah. done so much of it. You, like you said before, it's so by the book, right? So you yeah. have so many, so much of the process down packed. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that in a few weeks. You know this, right? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we discussed so many things in this interview. So I kind of just want to wrap it up and ask you, what is the one thing you want people to take away from this interview? If you're passionate about something, do your due diligence <laughs> and go after it already. Mm-hmm. Just go after it. Like, what do you have to lose? If you can do something with the least amount of invest your own personal monetary investment which i've done if you can do that with sweat equity which is just good old-fashioned hard work then do it just do it and then you know what if it doesn't work at least you tried everything has a learning opportunity everything that's great advice that's a great way to end this interview so thank you so much for joining us today Thank you so much for having me. Before ending this episode, I want to summarize some key takeaways from my conversation with Laura. First, I love how her co-founders helped her grow and as she put it, get over herself. (laughs) Many of us entrepreneurs work alone, so I could imagine how difficult it was to adjust and include other people in decision making. Second, Laura started many businesses before she found one that she was truly passionate about. And I think this is a very good lesson. We normally don't talk about this, but as entrepreneurs, we have no quit in us. And sometimes we need to take a step back and reevaluate to see if we still enjoy what we're doing. And if we don't, that's okay. So I think it's very important for us to keep that in mind. Finally, Laura gave us a lot of information on how to pitch investors and also how to get your business in front of the right people. Both are super important, but I really liked when Laura said that there are many investment opportunities out there. So for those who are thinking of getting investors, this is very encouraging. Thanks so much for listening, everyone.